Hello, guys. I'm Bryn. This is Heather, and this is Jessica Louie. She is a pharmacist that is just amazing me right now. She is a KonMari expert, so she is way into organizing, way more certification in that. And I am just so honored and interested to like learn how you got into this journey, not only for decluttering, but also you're very big on burnout. And Heather and I love our self-care and trying to help pharmacists in that area. Well, thank you for having me, Heather and Bren. <laughs> no, it's very interesting. <laughs> so I told my daughter, actually, I'm like, we're interviewing this amazing woman about calamari. And she said, calamari? <laughs> <laughs> You should probably tell listeners what Kamari is. You probably have a better summary, but there's a really good parody I'm going to need to like link in the descriptions. But do you want to tell them a quick version of Kamari? Yes. So the Kamari method was developed by Marie Kondo, and it's basically a Japanese philosophy of how you organize your home and apply it to the rest of your life. So if you haven't heard of her, she has a few books that you can go check out, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up or Spark Joy, and of course the Netflix series with Marie Kondo. And it really, the philosophy really emphasizes, you know, keeping things that speak to your heart, also known as Spark Joy, and, you know, letting go of things that no longer spark joy. And the philosophy really focuses on like a positive mindset, this act of gratitude to thank each item for what it taught you before you let it go. And, you know, then you can apply, you know, after you've gone through your physical clutter, a lot of the philosophies to other aspects of your life. I didn't realize the other aspects. I mean, I definitely already feel better. Um, for those of my friends know, I got a hiring professional here in Florida and she helped me. I thought it was going to be with like my kitchen and like the entryway. And she's like, actually, it's best if you start with your clothes. I was like, oh no, not the clothes. We pulled everything out and went through every item and it looks beautiful. And I've been folding everything in like these little nuggets now. So they like fit really nice. It's great. I don't know if I'm brave enough to like go take the laptop in there and like show y'all, but it's awesome. <laughs> awesome. And I mean, that actually is the first category because we emphasize, you know, starting with things that are closest to our hearts, which, you know, is our clothing and then working towards the more challenging categories. Interesting. There is a whole method. So she's not only an organizing expert, guys, she's also gone through pharmacy school. I forgot to mention that. Um, was it in Utah that you went to school? Uh, Utah was for my residency, but I went to University of Southern California in Los Angeles and am a 2013 graduate. Awesome. And you're back in Los Angeles, right? Yes. So I just left for two years for my PGI-1 in pharmacy practice and my PGI-2 in critical care at University of Utah. Wow. And are you practicing in critical care or just in the teaching? So both. Uh, I'm the critical care specialist at the School of Pharmacy. I work at West Coast University School of Pharmacy as an assistant professor. Wow. So I am super curious, and I don't know how deep you want to go or share with the audience, but um, pharmacists are very prone to burnout. And also, um, I've noticed you either have a style of like you're a pack rat, you keep everything, or you're okay. But anyways, how did you get into this like decluttering and organizing? Well, it really goes back to about 2014, 2015, and I was experiencing burnout myself during my residency and then my transition into my first career in academia. 
And honestly, I didn't know it was burnout at the time because I wasn't familiar with the term, but I was just having a really high stress environment. I was putting a lot of pressure on myself to achieve different things. I had a lot of different research projects open during residency that you know weren't getting published and lots of different things. You know, I can, I don't know if you want me to go into all of the details, but um, then a life event happened in 2014. 2015 and you know when my family members passed away suddenly and you know there was a lot of guilt around that a lot of things that I put work first and it really showed me that you know life was short that I was not living intentionally I was not living with joy in my life with just constant stress and exhaustion so I really needed to make a big change and I just so happened to find Marie Kondo and her books uh, decluttering during that time I read them I applied the method to my home and then that really changed my life. And it was, you know, about a year to two year journey of really transforming how I lived my life day to day. Um, and, you know, it's definitely a journey and a process. Did you have like kids at this time or just like the intense school and work and family? So, uh, no kids. Uh, my boyfriend and I have been together about six and a half years and he's also in medicine. So, um, you know, we both live very full lives and with our, you know, interest in healthcare. So, um, you know, I put a lot of pressure on myself and um, I'm going to go into all, I go into all these details about my full burnout story on my new podcast, but you know, those are kind of like the overview of everything. That's really interesting. Was he very um, supportive or on board with the Marie Kondo? Cause I hear there's a lot of like partners that are like, what are you doing? Cause you make this big mess first and then start clearing it out. Right. He definitely, you know, was supportive. He definitely knew that there needed to be a change in my life. I think most of my family knew that because, you know, usually when we're going through some difficult times, we tend to, you know, take out some emotions onto our family members. And I definitely was doing that in not a healthy way. So, you know, he didn't necessarily apply the method right away. He has since, um, you know, 2015, 2016 when this happened. But, you know, he let me do my thing and, you know, he was supportive for me. And, you know, the KonMari method and decluttering in general, you know, important thing to remember is, you know, all these physical items in our lives didn't, you know, come into our lives overnight. So it's definitely not going to, you know, all leave our lives overnight either. So I think that, you know, when we start decluttering or start organizing, it's important to remember that, you know, it is a process and it could take several weeks to months, depending on your situation. That's a really good point because I think pharmacists in general want to like get in there, get things done. Our students are very ambitious. And so it would be easy to think, okay, read it, do it, let's go. But it, it's exhausting. It's, you've got to mentally kind of show up and deal with what you've accumulated. Do you have clients that have like emotional releases during your sessions or how do you even, I guess, um, work with clients? Is it just online based for you or do you do hourly sessions in their homes? So it has definitely transitioned over the years. You know, I first started working with my friends and family when they saw me make the change and then that grew into a business and, you know, Marie Kondo came out with their certification program. So I became officially certified and I've been working one-on-one -on -one with clients, um, you know, in their homes, it's usually about a four hour session. Um, that's where we can really be most productive without getting too physically or emotionally exhausted. And I'll travel the clients as well. But 
since I want to reach a little bit broader of an audience, I have transitioned into some online courses where people who want to more DIY it, they can also get supplemented with an online course and support that way. Or, um, you know, not everyone can obviously make the time investment or the financial investment on one-on-one coaching. So there's a few different ways, but I definitely, in my experience with working with clients, you know, it really depends on the person. You know, there has been a lot of emotions uh, that they go through and, you know, I'm really there to be an accountability partner and then emotional and physical support. Very interesting. Uh, so you almost have like, like at least for my friend that helps me out, it's almost like a coaching role. Like you're just kind of like, it would, oh, do you really like that? How does that make you feel? And these questions you're like, I haven't thought about this with this clo- this piece of clothing. You're right. I never wear it because of blah, blah, blah. And you let it go. Uh it's just, it's a hard process to go through in some aspects, but afterwards it just feels clear and amazing. How has that, I know it's hard to describe to listeners, like how that has impacted like your career and your emotions and maybe even like your mental health. But um, there's definitely a lot of research and articles that support like a clear, cleaner area actually helps improve mental health. Yes, I, I mean, I definitely would agree. You know, I see it in my clients and I saw it in myself where once I was able to remove the physical clutter, I was able to really reset my burnout. And I actually attribute, you know, decluttering and simplifying my life, you know, as a way that I was able to recover from burnout and reset it and be able to come up with some prevention strategies. I don't think that you ever cure burnout by any means, um, but definitely helped my mental health. And, Um, I mean, you know, basically, you know, we're in this world today, we're, you know, constantly distracted, we're open to be available all the time because of, you know, how we've set up some of our smartphones and electronics and things. So I think that the biggest step for me was really clarifying what was important to me and what was important to my life, you know, moving forward, especially over the next year to five years. So uh, that's what I came up with. Uh, the clarify your why and clarify your purpose first, mm. and then you go and simplify, and then you align everything together. So that's why my business name is Clarify, Simplify, Align. And you know, before we ever start pulling out clothing or different items in the home, I have a you know a prep workbook and journal to really go through the whole clarification step first to make sure that you set your goals, you vision what the end product will look like. So you want to see what it will look like and how it will make you feel. And I think that's really important because if we skip that step and you're going through the simplifying step and you come upon challenges, it can be difficult to stay motivated and keep going when you don't see like what it will look like and feel like at the end and you have that clear goal at the end. So um, I think that's really helpful. This is really interesting because lately I have been hearing, and I can't even remember where I heard it, but it was, you know, we're trying to be, everyone's trying to be more mindful, not everybody, but I think there is a movement to kind of be more mindful about being present, you know, with yourself and with your, with what you're doing. And I think this is just a great extension of just being more mindful of, of, of almost what you're exposing yourself to, because I think that's where I recently had a conversation with someone about how important it is to just be mindful of what you're exposing yourself to, um, whether it's TV, whether it's social media, like all of, 
everything that we expose ourselves to, our friends, um, you know, our jobs, everything, being mindful of like, what is it that is around us? Because that affects us, you know? And so to me, this kind of falls right into line of just even making your home or your work environment, you know, being mindful. It just, it, it just falls right in line with all that, it seems like. Definitely. I would agree in terms of, you know, really being present in the moment. And I think that, you know, some of these philosophies also support, you know, that, you know, I, you know, I personally was on this hamster wheel of just trying to get to the next thing that was on this like list of things that I didn't necessarily set for myself. I felt like, you know, it was like society had set for myself and just re-clarifying, you know, is this really what I want? Do I really need to keep up with the Joneses and all these other people? That's not important to me. And, you know, sometimes going against, you know, cultural norms or societal norms is a good thing. And, you know, just owning yourself and owning your decisions. Yeah. And I think we're, we're a society. Sometimes we've gotten so used to stuff and just getting stuff. Like you just get stuff because you walk through a store and that looks kind of pretty. So you just buy it. <clears throat> and uh, I love what you're, you, it seems like, so to correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it seems like another conversation I had recently with someone about making sure what you have around you serves you or that brings you joy. So there's a lot of things I probably have around <laughs> that I just have because at some point they looked pretty or something, but like they don't really bring me joy. They aren't truly special to me or serve me in a, in a way every single day. So I think if I got rid of the stuff that really didn't serve me or bring me like true connection and joy, I would probably be very, a lot more minimalist than I am probably right now. And then you think, this is just me talking. It seems like then I would just be completely surrounded by things that just brought me joy and my environment would be so stimulating and serve me like all the time. So is, is that the general philosophy of it or am I off? Oh, that definitely is the philosophy in terms of, you know, really creating this calm sanctuary type of place that, you know, if it's not serving you, you know, what's the purpose of it? You know, right. really making sure that you're asking yourself that. And that's why the KonMari method has been so effective because once you go through the method from beginning to end once in your life, you never go through the method again because it completely changes your habits and how you would bring in new items into your home, uh, like with purchases or with, you know, gifting and things like that. So, um, you know, it's really... Um, you're really creating this mindful space that really is joyful and, you know, not distracting you. Yeah. My friend Angela, when she was there with me organizing, I didn't realize she was talking about this philosophy, but she was telling me how, you know, what we're putting into the closet. If she has this skirt, if she buys another one, she's going to need to get, it may not be a skirt, but she's going to need to get something else out of her closet to make room for that. And I was like, that's a great idea. Like, good for you. And she's like, no, Bryn, no, no this is how it works. So I don't have to come back here and help you with this. Right. Closet. This is your new philosophy. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> like it was this moment of like, that's good for you. But I'm like, wow. So I need to, I was thinking about how you said simplifying your life. I definitely need help with that in, in my current life. What kind of things are you like looking at your calendar? Like, how did you go about just like, getting the essentials that you needed. And I can see applying Angela's method of like one in one out, like, Hey, if you're not doing this activity or if you choose to go to this concert, then you can't go to X, Y, Z. So ha, like talk, talk us through what you do to uh -huh. like, I guess, simplify your life. <laughs> 
So I, there's lots of different ways you can simplify your life. And I think that, you know, the first step is just to get started and take that first initial baby step because that can be the most overwhelming thing to do um, when we're uncomfortable with some of our change. So um, in terms of simplifying, you know, you can simplify your calendar. So in society today, you know, a lot of people like to use the term busy, but do we have to be busy? No. Uh, so it's really looking at your calendar and thinking, you know, what is serving me? If you set up your ideal day, how would, it, how would it look? So I go through a lot of setting up your, you know, morning and evening routines where you make them a habit of things that you really enjoy in the morning and evenings and you really unwind so that you have good sleep hygiene at night and things. Um, I really emphasize, you know, you have this ideal day or this ideal week of like, um, just make it as simple as possible. So if you can always grocery shop on the same day and maybe even go to the same store, I go as far as you know buying basically the same items every week. Um, I have a very simple food plan and I emphasize uh, food prep instead of meal prepping because it can be a little bit less overwhelming. And then you can set up, you know, you exercise on certain days, you know, and have that set up in your calendar. So just making things a habit where it could be, you know, you're doing similar things in the same time each week or same time each month. Um, and then just really thinking about, you know, is everything on my calendar serving me? Do I have to be doing this? Am I doing it for myself or am I doing it for someone else? And, you know, reevaluating that. So um, those are a few options. And then um, going back to the closet, you know, the one in, one out, you know, I think that um, I don't necessarily emphasize that. I think that it's not when we restrict ourselves, it can feel like a negative kind of mindset towards it. So I think that it's important to remember, you can keep as much as you want, it just, you just have to make sure it sparks joy and that it's serving you. So, you know, sometimes, you know, an item will get worn out and faded or, you know, is pilling. So we wanna replace that and we just have to be really intentional with going out and finding that really great item that fits and makes us feel really confident. So one um, way I do this is to tell people, you can think of the average rule of 10. Um, so basically, if you're thinking of your closet, all the items, if you gave them a rating from one to 10, 10 being the highest number, um, would your average of your closet be close to 10? So if you're pulling out items and they're like, eh, like this doesn't fit very well, or it's not like doesn't make me feel very good in it and you give it a rating of four, you're bringing down your closet average. So um, you want to be mindful about that in terms of maybe you need to go out and replace that item. And I really emphasize quality over quantity if possible. Wow. I love these tips. These are amazing. Those are so good. Oh my goodness. How long did it, I know this has been like quite the journey for you over several years. Cause guys, she also has other businesses. Like it was like the petite style script that looked like with fashion for petite figures. Um, and then find your scripts and now her clarify, simplify and align. So you've been working on all these like side businesses, but like how, like if someone was interested in doing this, I mean, I, obviously it evolves because you're also working, but how do you squeeze it in? Like, when do you find time? How long did the certification take? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I first started my online businesses because, you know, I needed something outside of pharmacy and really to follow a passion. So I decided to, you know, open Petite Style Script really to help women feel confident in their wardrobe choices and emphasize capsule wardrobes. And that was partially because the family member who had passed away, you know, was really into fashion and shoes and things. And I had a 
you know, a passion for photography. So I wanted to bring that back into my life. So, you know, it's just kind of a new challenge, you know, you're lifelong learners as pharmacists. Um, but I wanted to, to go into more of the technology world and, you know, build websites and social media and all that stuff. So that was fun to learn. Um, but I think that, Going back to the certification process, it really varies depending on the person. There's only about 120, 130 certified Kumari consultants in the United States at the t at this time, and about 250 worldwide. Um, so it definitely, you know, is a process. My process took about six months, I would say, because you apply the method to your life. You go to the certification workshops and you train with Marie Kondo and her team. You have practice clients and then you have an exam and then you get officially certified. So um, I was officially certified in 2018 then. And going back to, you know, balancing everything, I think that I use the alignment stage of my method to really emphasize this because there's not necessarily a work-life balance because if we think of time as you know, equally balanced between work and personal life and other things, I think that can, you know, not feel so good if the hours aren't balancing out. So just really think about how you want to align your work into your life. And, you know, I readjusted my schedules um, to make sure that, you know, I was aligning with my partner's schedule and we had free time together and things. But I think that when you're building a business, the first year, you're going to put in a lot of time and you're going to learn a lot and have, you know, make a lot of mistakes during that time. And then, you know, after that first year, you can write, you might see a lot more growth. And that's what happened with me. Um, you know, I've seen a lot, I've had rewards from, you know, my first business now two, three years later. Um, but it was a lot of time and effort up front. And, you know, once you put in that time, then you can learn how to automate things or you can grow your team and have some people who work underneath you help you with that. Um, so it kind of depends on your business model. So if, if you were someone who heard this and thought this was really interesting, I want to change my personal life, but I don't necessarily maybe want to become a consultant or, you know, to help other people. It's just something I need in my life. So how I know, Bryn, you got a consultant. How would you go about like, what would you suggest, I guess, for somebody? Do they need to read a book? Do they need to listen to your podcast? Do they need to go hire somebody? Like, what would you suggest for somebody who just needs a little help like that? <laughs> so I have a few tips, um, you know, when people are thinking about decluttering and simplifying their life. Um, you know, first off, I would, you know, step back and ask yourself, you know, why do you want to do this? And really clarify your goals around this and, you know, how you want to set up, we call it your ideal lifestyle. Um, and, you know, what you see that looking like and feeling like. And then, uh, you know, I do recommend reading Marie Kondo's books. You know, I think that it's easy to watch the Netflix show, but it misses a lot of the details. So the books are definitely a great resource. Um, you can also, you know, look at blog posts and other things online that can supplement it. And then um, when you start the process, I think it's really important that you schedule it into your calendar and you find an accountability partner. And that could be a family member, it could be a friend who might want to do it, you know, alongside of you or who will just check in with you, you know, call you once a week or come over once a week um, or once a month, depending on your process and your timeline for everything. And, you know, make sure that you're sticking to your goal that you said that you would stick to. Um, you can also hire a coach um, during that process if you need that more accountability. And then, um, you know, you could take a course. I have a couple of online courses, the Clarify course or the Simplify course, you know, to kind of help you through that DIY process. 
And then, you know, one step that I think a lot of people miss is also taking some before photos so that you can really compare and see your journey throughout the process. Uh, because when we live in our homes day to day, it can be difficult to see those small changes that we're making. Um, and it's great for reflection and journaling out, you know, how you feel during the process. That's a great idea. I like that. I love that idea. Yeah, I have to say like, like the closet's definitely the cleanest spot because I'm like, every time I get something out, I'm like, okay, I fold it back up and I want to put it right back where it belongs because it's so nice. It's like you have this like built in system and it feels very organized and peaceful. Um, so yeah. Oh, I meant to ask you. So I'll have to send it, message you this uh, podcast I heard um, last night driving home, Jessica, but it was a feng shui expert. And so I didn't know if you had tied any like feng shui or different organizing modalities in with like positioning or if it's really just everything sparking joy around you. So I personally haven't tied any feng shui. I think that it's great to reach out to experts in those different areas if you're interested in that. And when I work with like interior designers, I ask the clients, you know, can we go through the Kodmari method first to make sure like these are the items you're keeping before we bring in an interior designer to then go through like the design aspect because you can definitely, you know, refine everything and change out decor and change out like I use shoe boxes as dividers and drawers and then you can always go back and change those out later. Um, but um, just making sure that you know what you own before you go through the design process, I think is important. Wow, this is so interesting. I love this. Heather, what other questions do you have? Oh, I actually thought of one. Sorry. <laughs> Taking the question mic back. Okay. So <laughs> if somebody has like, I don't know, like a 2000 square foot home, I know it depends on how much stuff you have, but like if they're wanting to work like one-on-one -on -one with the coach, how long or how many sessions do you think it'll be? Cause it's like you have these three or four hour sessions with an expert and you're able to attack it, tackle like one closet and you may have like three people living in your home. So it's, right. I definitely know there's a lot of variability, but is it like each section? And I guess it's like what you're saying, the timeline. What's the expert say? What do you say, Jess? So it definitely depends on the person, but there's a few different options. So one option is you bring in a coach to help you go through each different category. So there's technically five categories in the KonMari method, and you can have them come in and work with you and then give you a plan to how to complete it on your own time. So we call it, you know, you can kind of have homework um, in between sessions. So that would cut down on possibly the financial investment in a coach. The other option is to come in and, you know, only declutter when a coach is present. So, you know, for a 2,000 square foot home, that could be, you know, a process that, you know, probably you're looking, you know, 25 to 50 hours, um, depending, you know, it really depends on the person. I prefer, and the Kunmari method also emphasizes that you work one-on-one. -on -one. So, you know, if there's multiple people in the home, you don't want those people to bias your decision-making process. So, you know, if your partner's standing there and you're holding up a t-shirt and then they're going to say something, you know, we want to kind of avoid that. So, um, sometimes I'll work with clients and then they go teach their children or they go teach their partner on their own time. Or if they really want me to, I can also work with them. And I've you know, worked with kids down the age of four, um, but it really depends on the person then. And then the other option is, you know, a lot of, you know, coaches and uh, consultants will have intensive sessions 
well, you're taking maybe spring break or like a, a week off in summer and you're going to do this, you know, eight, nine hours a day, this intensive session and get it done and really reset your life. So, um, those are like different options you can definitely go through. And I think that, you know, it really depends on the person and their schedule, um, time and financial investment. Awesome. And I was thinking just for like our pharmacists and pharmacy students, like what your typical day or week looks like, because you are balancing, you know, teaching plus coaching, um, like approximately how many hours or days of the week do you spread that out? Right. So, you know, obviously there's no like one day that's uh, one week that's always the same, but generally I'm at the school of pharmacy at West coast university, you know, five, four to five days a week, um, you know, normal business hours, seven to three, you know, or so. And then, you know, ideally when I have students on rotations, either appy rotations or iffy rotations, you know, I'm at the hospital more often, uh, maybe about three days a week, two to three days a week, depending on the rotation site. And, you know, I'm at a community hospital that I'm affiliated with. And then for coaching, you know, as a professor, um, I have weekends and holidays off. So I do a lot of my business coaching on weekends or at night, you know, between 5 and 9 p.m. So that can be, you know, either in person locally here in Los Angeles or it can be virtually through some video group, uh, group or individual coaching calls. And... Um, that's kind of the setup. And then when I travel to clients, it's usually during a holiday weekend, like a three day weekend, um, or if I'm going to take vacation um, and travel to a client. I think it's so interesting. Just going back one sec. I, so I have one kind of statement that you could respond to. And then I have a question. So um, no, I thought it was interesting. You talked about kids. So like, I think if, if, if the, the parents or parents get kind of organized and decluttered. Just imagine, like, I guess my statement is just imagine if you could teach that to your kid. I know that must be really difficult because to them, everything is important and everything brings me happiness and joy. <laughs> but how cool that would be to be able to raise a kid that actually was mindful of what they wanted all the time. You know, I know that has to be, they're in a different developmental state than we are. But I just think that's really cool of like, you know, because I think a lot of us grew up just wanting, wanting, wanting and, you know, thinking we could work hard and just get stuff, you know. So that's mm -hmm. a totally different mindset. If you could grow up with that, that would be amazing. So that's just a statement yeah. <laughs> as challenging as that would be. And then my question, I guess, kind of falls into mentoring again or teaching kids now to students. Do you find that you bring any of this kind of uh, mentoring into your APPE students like that you bring this or do you kind of keep that separated or does it just automatically overflow into like your, your precepting students? So at the university, I've been really fortunate to have a great team here that supports some of this. So I have been able to start the well-being, resiliency, and burnout initiatives at the School of Pharmacy. So we started off with an elective course this past spring. And, you know, you know I did, I put in some research of, you know, uh, stress uh, scales and surveys from before and after the 12-week course. So we are able to now expand the program coming up this fall to really start more of this well-being and resiliency type of initiatives available to all students. And then, you know, we of course can refer uh, students to mental health providers for additional help. Uh, but I think it's really important that we start at, you know, 
in the undergraduate level if possible, but in the graduate school, we do have some things in place and it is something that the accreditation board is looking for. It's something that medical schools actually have in their required accreditation. So um, I've, been able, I've been fortunate to go to some well-being and resiliency centers to see how they're formatted. Uh, University of Utah has one of those that they formed after I left for residency, so that's been great. Um, I don't necessarily, you know, bring it into appies, um, but, you know, it, the different philosophies of making sure that we are stress managing and we're setting up our times and um, being efficient with our schedules is important. If, if students ever have questions, I'm always available to help them. And then um, going back to your statement, I definitely agree with that. And I wanted to just add that, you know, I think that it's important to emphasize experiences over stuff. So, you know, thinking about vacations or other types of experiences, like going to local zoos or other things can definitely um, be a great emphasis for children. And then there's, if parents want, there's a lot of studies out there that show that children have better creative play when they have less stuff and they have more certain toys that are that emphasize creative play. Um, so parents definitely check out some of those articles. Very interesting. I know we're getting close to our time being up, but we are always curious about our guests' self-care. It's very important and I can evidently see that with your practice. Like you have definitely self-cared it up, but are there certain go-to things that you utilize in your life just to fill your cup? So, I mean, definitely, you know, and self-care definitely means different things to different people. But I think that for my self-care, I try to make it a habit so that I'll stick to, you know, uh, stick with it long term. And, you know, one of the things I really like to do is to remind myself to close the files because um, I have, you know, a lot of mental clutter that, you know, goes on my brain in terms of the three businesses and full-time work and all this stuff. So, um, I emphasize, you know, if something takes less than two minutes, I'm going to close the file and do it right now, which means that, you know, if I need to wash the dishes, if I need to respond to that email, I'm going to do it right away. And I'll try to time block out things so that I'm not jumping from task to task. Um, and then other things would be, you know, moving my body every day, making sure I either go for a walk or I go to one of my fitness classes is really important. And then, um, you know, other things like skin, skincare and stuff, I'll invest in, you know, facials and thing for skin health. So um, kind of different things, but, you know, make it simple and try and make it a habit. That is incredible. This is definitely full of lots of advice. I really appreciate your perspective and I'm so excited to share your businesses and your links with people just so they can learn more and be inspired. It's really a neat journey you've been on. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate the time and um, it's great to connect with more pharmacists. Yes, I think I had first seen you on LinkedIn. You had like posted a picture with Todd Yuri, and I love his pharmacy podcast network. And I was like, <gasps> when I saw KonMari, I was like, I've got to message her. <laughs> <laughs> So thank yes, I feel totally like I have way too much stuff. <laughs> I, mean, like, I need to go sit in my living room and just have a, a coming to Jesus meeting with my stuff. <laughs> no, I know. I wish you lived closer. We could have do like a whole like live session. That would be. You. Yeah, you could have used. Yeah, we could have done an example <laughs> or something. But I have plenty of examples, I'm sure. But no, thank you so much because I think 
you know, you're just bringing attention or this seems to be bringing attention to something we just don't think about, you know, and we just are plowing through our lives and we're distracted and, you know, we're just collecting And I'm older. So I have collected a lot of stuff, you know, that at some point I thought was really important. So I just love how what you're doing is bringing some thought to something that some of us don't even think about. So this is great. Thank you so much for sharing. That's awesome. True. Well, I'm Bryn. This is Heather and this is Jessica Louie. So definitely check out her work. We are so glad you joined Pharmacists Out of the Box. And for sure, Jess is just out of the box with this. I'm so excited for you. Well, thank you for having me. And, you know, people can definitely get some free resources on my website, drjessicalouie.com or the new podcast, The Burnout Doctor Podcast. Ooh, I can't wait to download that and listen on my ride. All right. Well, we will link that in the show notes, guys. And I hope everybody has a great week. Thank you. Bye now. See you next time.